0: Welcome to the Realized Gains podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts on YouTube or at jordanleemortgage.com.
1: And can you kind of go through the title process? I'll be completely honest. When I started out as a realtor a couple years ago, I had no idea what title did.
2: So a lot of people get confused between title insurance and title to their house or home insurance. Um, For us, we put it basically as a brief where Title insurance what covers the past and not the future. Mm. Um, so it covers anything that before you purchase the house or before you do the refinance, and we want to make sure that all of the liens and judgment that against the property or the person will be paid in full before you transfer title into the new person or before you taking out a new loan to insure the lender. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so if there's any sort of mistakes in that process, the insurance
2: will. The title insurance company will basically cover that.
0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 45 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee, a mortgage lender based here in Portland, Oregon, and I'm licensed in nine states, and I also invest in single-family
1: real estate. Yep, yeah, and I'm your co-host Stephen Tran. I am a realtor for Oregon and Washington. I invest in multifamily and short-term rentals. Stephen, who did we interview today? So yeah, we had a really interesting guest, uh, our first title uh, escrow officer. Mm. Uh, we interviewed Christine Quinn of Lawyers Title. Yeah, super great interview.
0: She gave a lot of good insight into the, you know, the general title process, how it works, the difference between title insurance and home insurance. Uh, and then she also talked about the,
1: I mean, she's she's really a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, she has a couple rentals, she has a business, um, and. Just going back to the title thing, like I said, I work with title people almost <laughs> every day, and I almost, I basically didn't know a lot of what they did. And she was a really great explainer in telling us uh, what her business does and uh, how it helps protect our uh, our clients.
0: Yeah, so if you want to learn about uh, t- getting into title, or if you want to learn about entrepreneurship, this is a great episode for you.
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode forty-five of the Realize Gains Podcast. I'm Stephen Tran.
0: And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, and we're super excited to have a special guest today, Christine Huynh. Christine, hey, you want to just give us a quick background of your story? (laughs) Excuse me. I don't know if you grew up in Portland and and kind of your journey into real estate and, and business as well.
2: So I actually uh, moved from California and uh, I've been here for over almost 20 years to Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, what brought me here was actually we moved here so that I can uh, help out my brother-in-law to go to school. And, oh um, how I, old was he? He was uh, eighteen at the time. Okay, so we moved up here so he can stay with us and all that and I end up to stay here, and he moved back to California. <laughs> so, pretty much, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And uh, I got into title and escrow when I graduated, uh, well, just get out of high school and doing it as a part-time job. Oh, and, you went
0: straight from high school to escrow? You didn't didn't go to college or anything?
2: Uh, well, I was doing college at the same time, and oh. doing title and escrow as a part-time, and then kind of grown into the love of title and escrow, so... I done pretty much background from title search to typing up a policy and then do the title escrow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Can you talk about what interested you in title in the first place? Was it something that... Yeah, how did you,
0: that's not a job that I would expect
1: yeah. to find in college.
2: Um, well, actually, I loved it because uh, every transaction is different. Yeah. It's a story that kind of triggered pulling you into it and wanting to know more about mm. the person that you do in the transactions with. Yeah. Because everything had a story behind each transaction.
0: Did, did someone yeah. like recruit you to title or um, how did you like find out about it?
2: I went through a temp agency.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. you went through a local temp agency mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, this place is hiring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you start at your current company?
2: I actually started with the same sister company. I started out with Chicago Title.
0: Okay, yeah. so you've basically been in the same more or less field company for the whole your whole career.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. For almost 22 years. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. And can you kind of of go through the title process? I'll be completely honest. When I started out as a realtor a couple years ago, I had no idea what title did. And I won't say that I'm an expert yet on what title does. And many
0: of our listeners probably are are not sure either. (coughs) They just see it as a line item on their... uh on their documents and they know that you have. they have to pay you. Pay a fee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty and much. The, and give you the money. Yes, right. uh,
2: so a lot of people get confused between title insurance and title to their house or home insurance. Um, for us, we put it basically as a brief where title insurance what cover the past and not the future. Mm. Um, so it covers anything that before you purchase the house or before you do in the refinance, and we want to make sure that all of the liens and judgment that against the property or the person will be paid in full before you transfer title into the new person, or before you're taking out a new loan to insure the lender. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so, if there's any sort of mistakes in that process, the insurance will
2: the title insurance company will basically cover that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's not like if you have um, you know a broken pipe or whatever, that's that's the home insurance.
2: That's a home insurance, but not the title the
0: insurance. Will cover. Let's say there was some. Your neighbor had some easement on your property that had access to your your land, and it wasn't talked about. And there was a lawsuit future future on, further on Would that. Title insurance kind of be involved in that. Uh,
2: not really. Uh, title insurance basically involve only if we miss some sort of a judgment that was already existed on there. Okay. So, for example, if there was a line of credit that we weren't aware people didn't disclose and we went ahead and closed the transaction without paying the previous I see. item off.
0: So, for example, if the previous seller had maybe they had 3 Home Equity line of credits and you paid off 2 of them, but there was one remaining, the lender would s- technically still have a claim to the title on the property, but as your insurance company, you wouldn't make the new buyer you would pay you would cover it because mm-hmm. it was like your error. Yeah. We either cover
2: you... it or we go back to the previous owner and we uh-huh. kinda like go through our channel and claim right. the money back. Right, yeah. right. And we that's...
1: usually try to push on the, the the old seller first before you
2: Well, we have um, what's the call reserve. Um, in our line to cover certain loss course, yeah. so but we do have attorney who will go back to the previous owner and try to claim that money back first yeah but in the meantime if we you know try to make the property clear and ensuring the new lender we have to take that loss before we can go back and try to claim it back
1: oh okay yeah. okay yeah. yeah no that makes more sense i mean yeah. I, i'm assuming for a title company they don't want to be you know quote unquote losing money or going through yeah. the reserve. so yeah
0: i'm curious like when <clears throat> at, did the title insurance I mean it's I'm sure sure it's obviously been around for quite a while but like there was probably a time before that when you would buy a property and suddenly the banks like oh too too bad like you owe all this money
2: um well there's there's certain things so there's why that it's why we have title insurance and it's put you at peace because a lot of people who do outside transaction without title insurance like for example oh I, we know each other, we're just gonna do it outside, here's the money, here's the house kind mm. of deal, and there's no title insurance involved, and they basically only do a deed on their own transferring title. Right. And what happens if the person that you trust so well that you think that you know them, and they end up to have some clown title basically, if they have a you know outstanding debt on there, they have a divorce issue, mm. they have judgment, bankruptcy, <coughs> they even have child support, all of those doesn't go away right because there was no t- title insurance for us to step in to insure the previous all of the old liens that go away
0: mm. Mm.
2: and so that's when they go to refinance and they come to realize that oh there's those people name those judgment belong to those people that attach to the house still there right right makes sense yeah
0: yeah so you can theoretically you can make a deed transfer without doing title insurance, Correct. right? But not, if you're, if you're getting a mortgage, you cannot. Yeah. No mm-hmm. lender's gonna allow that because they don't yeah. want to be you know, put in jeopardy like that. But if you're buying, like you said, from your friend or maybe a mm-hmm. family member or something yeah. like that, you, you, you can theoretically, but t- typically on a cash sale, you're still doing title insurance, <coughs> right?
2: Correct, yeah.
1: So, I mean, we do title insurance because basically we see the house as collateral for that person who has the lien, right? And that's why we, they would go after them in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, can you have like you know insurance on other assets that they own that they can go after or is it just usually their house?
2: Usually people put a lien against a house before they put a lien against anything else' cause
1: what if I had like a Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> you know that's quite a bit of money not a bunch of you know uh, you know bad debt, I guess
0: <laughs> so you started in title insurance, you started doing you know, some of the the more task-oriented stuff. At what point did you, how long were you entitled before you kind of stepped into that role as an escrow officer?
2: Uh, I've been doing the escrow role for uh, over, like, about 10 years now.
0: Hmm. 10 years, wow. Mm -hmm. And at that time, how many, I mean, even now, but, like, the Vietnamese population is, is pretty significant, I would say, in the Portland, Oregon area. And um, probably when you started 10 years ago, how many escrow officers would you say that were bilingual or, or able to speak Vietnamese?
2: Um, I mean, I, I don't see there. I mean, in the Bay Area, yes, there's quite a few. Right. But here, I, I was actually the first one. You were know, so, yeah. only,
0: yeah. Which is, to me, it's kind of crazy. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, what were you doing to build your business? I mean, I'm, I'm sure like it was a natural, or oh, maybe not, maybe it wasn't a natural flow to, to serve your community that needed that language, but what what kinds of like, how did you go about building business, I guess?
2: Um, I mean, demographic-wise, <coughs> of course, I aim at my Vietnamese community because um, I know a lot of people in the community. One, it's the families where I started. and. Um, thinking of knowing the language and can help them guide through a transaction, um, that was one of the things that kind of keep me up to still doing escrow nowadays. Mm. Just because I know I can help. Mm. Because in their same language, especially when it comes to the table and they barely know what title an escrow is.
0: Do you find that for your Vietnamese clients, a lot of the time you're interpreting loan documents for them compared to your <laughs> I mean, not that that's necessarily what you're supposed to be doing, but um, well, they'll ask you maybe a lot of questions for that.
2: Well, actually, my type of signing, uh, I don't just say, you sign here because I notarize your signatures. Right. Um, I usually go through and say, this is what you're signing mm-hmm. and what what the document actually, like the name of the document mm-hmm. and explain to them what it means. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and how often are you having to like translate those documents?
2: Um, I mean, I, If it's a Vietnamese customer, I usually ask them, do they more comfortable in their own language or Mm. do they prefer it in English? And then if they say, yeah, go ahead and speak to me in Vietnamese, then I usually just say those things in Vietnamese.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of terminology that I would not know how to translate into (laughs) Vietnamese, you know?
0: Yeah, were you able to, like, right away know how to know that in both languages or did it take you a while to kind of develop the the vocabulary
2: i actually it takes me a while Mm -hmm. um because back in vietnam they use a different term and Mm -hmm. i kind of like understanding what it means and then so i kind of marry the two together and then that makes them understand a lot easier Mm -hmm. yeah okay
1: and can you kind of uh, tell us the process of what it takes to be an escrow officer. Like, do you need to get a license? Is there studying? Is there certain hours you have to hit? I don't know anything about becoming an escrow officer.
2: So, uh, training. That's definitely one. Um, and we do have 10 hours of every two-year uh, training with the corporations. Some continuing education. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we also, um, a lot of people start in escrow without knowing anything. And we basically... The escrow officer who trained the escrow assistant, and then people usually start out as a receptionist. Is where they learn the first step of title and escrow.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And so you know, obviously, you know, we're a real estate investing podcast, and so I know you have some investments and you have some businesses. Do you want to kind of jump into that a little bit?
2: Uh, I actually, I have a rental. Uh, and then uh, that rental actually was my first home.
0: <coughs> oh, okay, so you bought a home mm-hmm. when you moved to Portland or like
2: a, yes. way, a ways after? Yeah, uh, two years later okay. when I moved here. So yeah. a couple
0: of years after you moved yeah. to Portland and then you lived there for a while.
2: I actually only lived there for a year um, and that was the best investment I ever, <laughs> I ever done was to Keep that. Keep that it, Keep that did, rental. Did you yeah. know
1: that you were going to buy it and then move out within a year?
2: I do not.
1: Oh, you
0: didn't? Okay. No. And what made you like decide that, hey, I want to keep this as a rental? Had you seen other clients doing that or?
2: No, actually my real estate agent was the one who say, <coughs> keep it. Okay. And so I, I went what I got and um, even though it was hard at the beginning because uh, I actually, we, we started out young and... So
0: your agent um, didn't want to sell your house. Then. When he, <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good agent. That is a, a good agent. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, I mean, we started out young and we didn't have any money. Our first house was actually an 80-20, zero oh, down. back
0: in the, big, back in the yeah. day when you just put nothing down. Okay, yep, wow. nothing
2: down. We walk into the house with nothing down. Um, and actually, it, it was a big risk at the time because... The day before I sign my paper, my boss actually say, Christine, you have two options. You either sign your loan document and I'll keep you one more day, or the next, or you can walk away from this transaction because you're getting laid off.
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) interesting timing.
2: Yes, and then we went with the gut and uh, we follow through. Um, even though my husband was not making much that time. Because this
0: is the time in the market when it's super constricted, right? I'm mm-hmm. I mean, not yeah. totally dissimilar from now. Not as, <coughs> not as, I mean, way worse than it, now, right? It was right? back but. in two
2: thousand and four. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. It was pretty competitive back then. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the yeah. interest rates were back then?
2: Uh, I think I walk in with it. I mean, as like now, six point two five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: Okay, and then so you got the home, and then what did you do? Were you able to just?
2: Uh, I actually pick up uh, the same job within the mm-hmm. uh, three months.
0: Okay, just yeah. with a different, with a sister company. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was a, an opening available. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, it, and you, the position you left was escrow officer, and you came back to escrow officer. No, I
2: was a, an assistant. Oh,
0: you were still assistant at yeah. the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. And then I came back as an assistant, and then I move up as a closer, and then an escrow officer.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then a year later you bought another home mm-hmm. and so you're renting it out and how was that process of like transitioning and becoming a landlord and having two homes?
2: Uh, my transaction wasn't, I mean it was smooth, it wasn't bad. There At that time there were a lot of people who wanting to renting because it was in 2006 when the It was high. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. It
2: was. I I got my my second one was at peak high. Okay. Yeah, right. Like
0: max price, basically. Mm -hmm.
2: And right after I purchased that is when it took a low. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't freak out when that happened. You just kind of held
1: on and. I Yeah. We're focused on the future. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. How are the numbers working out for you at that point? I mean, with you know, in terms of your mortgage and then your rentals.
2: Um, the rental I rented out as equal to my mortgage. Okay. So it was good. I mean, I didn't make any profit. But for every one investment strategy is a little bit different for me. It's more of um, <clears throat> instead of me spending on unnecessary thing, I might as well just get another house so I have some, you know, responsibility. so I don't have to go off and spending those money. And mm. I know it goes somewhere.
1: I mean, the nice thing is, you, like you said, you came in with 0% down. Maybe you paid your mortgage for a little bit, and then you were break-even. So you basically put very, very little down other than someone paying you off your principal for yeah. your property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that's a bad investment, you okay. know? Yeah. Yeah. And since then, <clears throat> have you kept, like, have you refinanced
0: and pulled money out? Like, what have you done with that, you know, that investment home that you had?
2: Uh, Yes, we did. We uh, refinanced a few times, pull out and try some, um, navigate through some business, and mm-hmm. And then after that, I mean, we still. The principal on that house is pretty much down to nothing right, right now. Right. So, um, and then our main goal from beginning was to keep that house. What's not as an investment is more of a saving for the kids. Right. Um, our our theory is that each of the kids will basically will have something that they start out mm-hmm. when they when they get to that age. Got it. Yeah
0: um so yeah that's an interesting thing because like at right at first you probably there wasn't a lot of equity because the crash Mm -hmm. but then afterwards you held on and there was equity there um so you talked about or you you have some other businesses so what other businesses were attracting you outside of real estate uh
2: we have a restaurant uh, we also have a vape shop in the past. Mm. Oh, okay. When vape was
0: super popular, popular, uh-huh.
2: uh, and then that died down. But we still have our restaurant.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the restaurant, and and I mean, for me, I was like, I want to get out of the restaurant world. <laughs> what made you? Did you have somebody in the family that was like that you knew could run it, or how how did you decide to get into it?
2: My husband at the time he had a full time job that he worked for a company, uh, is a railing company, and um, his he just done tire with you know a 4 a.m. job to a 3 p.m. job oh yeah 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 so he, he looking to like uh, for a change mm-hmm. and so I say we'll open a business so that he can kind of focus on that
1: yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah. funny too and you have a really interesting niche in terms of the restaurant business do you want to talk about what you guys serve
2: uh, we serve seafood and hot pot, and it's mainly Vietnamese, and it's more like a street food in Vietnam kind of deal. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I think the, the interesting thing is snails. Yes. That's the big <laughs> thing. Elk house. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think you guys. I don't know if anybody else serves snails in Portland.
2: Uh, actually, right now is <clears throat> it's a trend, so there's a few of them out there that yeah. uh, are uh, doing okay. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all know your place. We've been there a <laughs> <Yeah>. couple times. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Snails and karaoke. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Late night.
0: <laughs> and and so when did you open the restaurant?
2: We opened it back. Ooh, I want to say. I can't remember. It's been at least I would say eight years now. Oh, okay, so it's been have. it's pretty stabilized yeah.
0: at this point. And were you yeah. able to buy the building when you opened it, or was it all? It's always been on lease.
2: Oh, it's on lease.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how have you felt that you're? kind of the money that you've invested in business versus real estate, how, how have you seen uh, the, the difference in growth and equity and, and cash flow, I guess?
2: To be honest, uh, if I do have a choice and if I do have an option, I probably stay in real estate. Mm. Uh, it's more, even though people think it's scary and not stateable, but for me, if you're gonna, it's, it's, it's better, because mm. the restaurant, you can't predict the volume and the number of the customers, you know,
0: right. those kind of things, so.
2: Yeah.
1: But you guys, you guys made it through COVID, so you did better than a lot.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, how much focus is your, uh, are you in the business? Because you obviously have a, you know, a job as a escrow officer, you have your rentals, which I don't know if do you manage that yourself too. Mm -hmm. And then you have a restaurant, which is completely a whole different thing. Uh, Do you work in the restaurant at all? Or do you do anything there?
2: Uh, I did. Uh, For the first three years that we opened, I actually Busting tables. Oh my God. Uh, I got I out, get of get of out of work. Get out of work five o'clock and
0: go find <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And go bust it.
2: Oh, until God. two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I, I I got home, I basically crawl up my stairs. Yeah. I, I do remember those dates, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like you said, you if you had to start over you do all all real estate instead of the restaurant. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I mean what are the pitfalls of running this business?
2: Uh, You can't control a lot of things. Uh, Supply chain, Mm. uh, employee, Mm. um, rate inflations. I mean, there's so many that it's out of your control. Right. Yeah, you can see an instant cash flow. You can see an instant cash return, but you have to manage that cash very well Mm -hmm. for it to carry through those, you know, down time.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the things that scared me. And also, I feel like if you don't own the the real estate too, the prospect of selling is always a challenge as well. Like, I mean, maybe maybe it's easy if you you have a good enough balance sheet and you have a good enough um, numbers, like trying to sell a small business sometimes can be pretty challenging, right?
2: Yes, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, especially if you're coming up on your lease terms, like you have a five year lease you're coming up and then mm-hmm. you never know what the, the landlord's gonna charge for the, the new person who buys your business. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's always yeah. difficult. Yeah.
2: And it is hard because especially when people want to buy a business, they want to buy a business that more sustainability where it's already there's so a gain. Right. No one want to walk in on a business that it's already a negative.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And it, they want it to be something typically they want it to be something pretty passive too. Yeah. Right? They don't want to oh, have yeah. to be there. They don't want to have to be putting on their apron after a long yep. day at work. Yeah.
1: And I, I mean for me personally, I'm just kind of scared of the restaurant business. I've had talks about starting a boba shop or a, no. you know a salted cream boba whatever and mm-hmm. I just think you have that. You might have to line out the door the first couple months, and then you never know. Maybe the next trend is you know I don't I don't know boba stuff, but <laughs> something completely different, and then you have no line at all. So yeah, I mean I don't know if snails are ever going away, but yeah, I mean we still enjoy them.
2: <laughs> that that's the thing. So that's the same thing. That's why there's a few of them out there that start you know pretty much doing the same similar mm-hmm. thing. So that's why.
1: Are you are you feeling the crunch in your business with those opening up?
2: Um, to be honest, uh, not really. Um, everyone have their own little niche kind of deal. Their own clientele, I guess, is what we call it. But, um, if, if you like a certain place, you will go back to the same place.
1: I mean, you got us locked
2: in, so (laughs) we're always there.
0: So, okay. So you got rental, then you went for the restaurant business. Is there any other ventures or, um, things that you're pushing towards? Are you still going back towards real estate now? Or like, what are you, what are you looking at? Or,
2: Well, I also had tried uh, a few um, other investment like flipping, Mm -hmm. but uh, so far that's not, I don't think that's my niche. Flipping. Yeah.
1: I've always felt like flipping is (laughs) hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there. It's a pain, pain, you know. Yeah. You have to get the right contractor. Um, Obviously, you have to be able to sell it, you know, which Mm -hmm. is always tough too. Yeah. You're always pointing off like, hey, buy this. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, I just worked on this. It's, it, it is a pain. And at the end of the day, too, when you stop flipping, I mean, you stop making money, it is really just a job.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I've been there. And it's either you get lucky with that job or, you you know, if not, then it's a loss. So mm. it's a big chance.
0: Uh, going back to, sorry, switching gears here, going back to title world, um, what, what sort of, how do you build your, Business in the title world. What do you? What's your kind of strategy um, when you're when you're reaching out to people? Like, what are your targets and kind of? What's your mindset on that?
2: Um, my mindset is that uh, I try to branch out a little bit beside just my community. Mm. Um, but in order for you to build that relationship, it it does take some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't come as you come and you say, here, I'm an escrow officer, will you get me some business? That That's just not how.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, it's. I mean, yes, you wanna target the Vietnamese community, but this is a business to business deal. You're working with what, like realtors, basically. Mm-hmm. You have to find realtors who have Vietnamese clients who want to use you during those transactions. How does that work?
2: Um, a lot of my agent will come back to the other side if it's not a Vietnamese speakers. Um, they will say that their clients do need that special service, okay, and it's just not my clients only. I do have random calls from other colleagues, um, even from another title company that know that I speak the language. Some of your
0: (coughs) referrals come from your other colleagues. Yeah,
2: and and they would call and say, hey, Christine, will you help me with the signing? You know, they do need that special um, Mm -hmm. service, and I say, yeah, I can help.
1: Is there, like, a referral process in Title, or is it just, i just going to go help? There's
2: no referral process. I would just do an as a favor is thinking of, you know, um, helping out the community and mm-hmm. help out the other person. Yeah.
0: I would say that one of the reasons why I always like working with Christine is that I... Uh, I can text her and there's like very few title people that I, that, <laughs> that give out their cell phone number.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I like working with Christine because she's uh, four floors down below us. Uh, <laughs> you know,
0: which helps a lot. <laughs> uh, so if, if someone was interested in getting into like, you know, real estate investing, um, based on your kind of experience, what, w- what would you tell them?
2: Uh, I would say start out small. Mm. Um, and the same thing I told my family member who thinking about buying a house and I say if you don't have a big budget start something little. Mm. Um, for, for my theory is that you can you don't have a budget for getting a single home, get a town home, uh, a condo, something that you can start out with and you can always sell them off and get that profit and move into a bigger place.
1: That makes sense. Awesome. And if somebody wanted to get started in, I don't know, title, in escrow. Uh, what would you tell them to do? What would be the first thing that uh, you'd suggest?
2: Uh, my number one thing is if you can handle the pressure. Um, there's, I mean, like every other job, there's always different type of people. Yeah. Um, if you can handle the multitask is the number one thing. Because you can be sitting there working on a file, and there can be the phone ringing. There can be people coming into your office. Um, so you have to be ready and on the spot.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean you got a realtor, you got a lender, you got title. Why would they choose title over being a realtor or being a lender? Uh,
2: we have a stateable income. Okay. Um, I mean loan officer based on I guess some most of them are on commission. For them. Unless you Agent. work for a
1: bank, maybe yeah.
2: you
0: have a salary plus, but mm-hmm. some of the bankers yeah. still are commissional. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Here we we have, you know, regular pay. Okay. Uh, a lot more benefit. We have our 401k we have our um company match we have medical leave i mean a lot of people now offer medical leave but i think for a place where i have vacation for me right now i have over a month oh
0: oh and yeah stable stable pay is super nice especially like this time this time in the market when you know numbers are down it's nice to be able to have kind of consistent pay
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um in your so in your experience and title, do you is there like some specific pattern that you've seen in like properties or types of properties where there'll be a consistent like errors or things that you need to avoid on on the title, or is it just
2: totally? Uh, most of the thing that I have seen lately hmm. is that transactions between family members without title insurance uh, lots. Uh, layers and layers. I have a transaction that I have five seller on layers. Oh,
1: jeez.
0: Because <laughs> it's been consistently family, 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 family,
2: family, family, from you know an A person to a B, a B turn around, give it to C and D, and then oh C gosh. and D turn around, give it to A, right. and then mm. uh, divorce situation involved. Um, so even
0: if you're buying from family that you think you know super well, you might want to consider paying the few few thousand dollars or whatever it costs in title just so you get it Mm -hmm. with peace of mind.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And to all the realtors and lenders who are listening in, what would you say is the most important thing in terms of your relationship with them? What can we do to make your job easier?
2: Communication. Okay. Uh, Even though if you think that it's not important, uh, please do let us know. For example, like if your client's going to be out of town, uh, are they here, are they not? it's, it's make a huge difference.
1: Oh, you mean like in terms of figuring out signings and yeah. things like that? Yes. It's like, yeah, they're out of the country right now. Oh, yeah. sorry I didn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can we get a notary in, you know, India?
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or, or even like when you try to work out a deal where you, at the last minute where you try to draw up an addendum, just say, hey, we're working on it right now. We're probably, you know, just give us a heads up. That will save us a lot.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's good to know. Good to know. Yeah.
0: And, and in the next, What's your kind of like middle, long-term plan in terms of investing and, and working in title? Is this kind of be what you do till you retire? What, what is your long, long-term there?
2: My long-term is actually, yes, I'm still gonna be working at title and escrow, um, but <clears throat> other investment I'm actually navigating through right now is uh, through doing a private lending. Oh. Um, so I, I try that out for a few th- time now. Um, it seems to be working, mm-hmm. so. Oh, uh, you as
0: the lender. Mm-hmm. And are you using, like, just giving your funds to another lender that's doing it? Or are you doing writing the notes and stuff yourself?
2: I am writing the note myself because my amount is not as high okay. right now. So, um, but and most of mine are right now just short terms, like about six months or so. Okay. So.
1: nice. How are you vetting out people you're giving out loans to? Uh,
2: mostly our friends. Oh okay. Right. Yes, yeah. so but right. but I do secure against their property. But,
0: but you understand the uh, the method of securing <laughs> yes. against the guy. So you can't just give up blind loans. No. Out. <laughs> That's a great example yeah. of something that uses your experience <clears throat> yes. um into, to put into a business. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And what are the typical rough terms on that now like with because I'm guessing you're basing it whatever similar to the market.
2: Mhm. So I basically right now I'm I'm doing like for example 100 I'm doing at a six month. I'm doing
0: it at a 10%. So. Okay, oh, that's
2: not crazy. It's, it's not crazy, okay. yeah. I, I, I wanna make it where it's reasonable and it's affordable. I mean,
1: you know, I've done hard money before and I've obviously gotten, like, enough to buy a house. What are they gonna be doing with, uh, you know, $100,000 at 10%? What are they usually doing with that type of money? Uh,
2: most of the one I'm lending right now, they are doing business. Um, they either doing a commercial thing, um, they need that... In, Capital to uh, expand their business. Okay. Most of the reason that. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you read their right like now? their business plan or anything mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. And then you just collateralize it on their one property. of their one of their mm-hmm. properties. hmm Yeah. And I mean, how small do you have to get uh, to be to get started with this? Like, what if I wanted to hand out like a couple thousand bucks, like three thousand bucks?
2: <laughs> I I I mean, you can do it. It's up to that person how comfortable they want it to cuz some people would say hey 3000 i don't want you to put secures again my house
1: Oh yeah i mean i don't you know
2: <laughs> so it, it just depends.
1: okay yeah, yeah. cuz i mean just for people who might want to get started in the business what should be their minimum in terms of what they when um out?
2: for me i honestly i started out at 50 50 yeah, 50. yeah.
1: and you do 6 month term mm-hmm. so
0: yeah. yeah that's a pretty good return though mm-hmm.
2: yeah. okay i mean it's it's enough to, for you to make a car payment so
1: I yeah, might look into that. See, instead of,
2: instead of you making your payment, people paying paying for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have some money that I, I'll probably talk to you about and <laughs> see what I can do right now. It's not enough to buy real estate, but it's enough to help somebody do something. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I'm interested in learning about the process, and we'll take that offline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, if there,
0: yeah, if anyone wanted to like contact you to talk about getting into title or to, um, you know, pick your brain on, Lending and business. Uh, how would they find you with Instagram best, or where, where, where do you where do you live? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, uh, on if you put just lawyer's title and then Christine Huen, it should come up. Oh, okay. yeah. We're we're actually uh, upgrading our Google search right now with actually the company Y. We're doing a new phase oh, of it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge.
2: You're welcome. Thank okay. you for having me. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram,
1: Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.